So I just want to talk very, very briefly um, about fixing our eyes on Jesus. How, how do we fix our eyes on Jesus? And how, as that chorus we sing says, do we um, turn our eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, so the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I, I believe that this word is a, a word in season for us. And I was greatly encouraged yesterday, uh, greatly encouraged yesterday at the ladies' conference anyway, but greatly encouraged when um, Jen Baker um, spent some time on this, this word about fixing our eyes on Jesus. And the word of God, you know, it's... it's it's living and it's active and it comes to empower us. And if we receive it with these hearts that are receptive and soft, then it will change us. And uh, that's what God wants to do. He wants to encourage us by his word, by his spirit all the time. So these verses start with therefore. Hebrews chapter 12 starts with therefore, which implies that what's gone before is important. Um, and in the previous chapter, it talks all about the, the men and women of faith um, who've lived their lives in, in faith and in hope. Um, and their lives encourage us because of their perseverance. And uh, I can remember the, the first lockdown, we can all remember the first lockdown, and um, remember the first week we realized we were going to have to do church online, and uh, Natalie, I'm sure, was um, key at uh, putting together that first service, as she was most of them, and uh, she was probably like a rabbit in the headlights, but she acted more like a swan gliding over the water with Probably her little legs underneath going 20 to the dozen. But um, she asked me to, to send in a video to pray for us. And I really felt strongly the word God impressed on me to pray was to pray for endurance. And back then we didn't know what we were facing really. Um, so to pray for endurance. Um, who wants the gift of endurance? Don't, don't know that we really want that gift, do we? But uh, how are we doing with endurance? Uh, Hebrews 12 verse 1 tells us we can learn from others who've endured well. They've people who've been squeezed tightly and what's come out is faith. Um, what comes out when you and I are squeezed? <laughs> is it faith or is it fear? Uh, what comes out of us? We have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, so you would hope that what would come out would be the fruit of the Spirit, which is, do we know the fruits of the Spirit? Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But let's be honest, <laughs> so often it doesn't. So the best example we have to gaze on a life that exudes the fruit of the Spirit under suffering and pressure is the life of Jesus. He's going to trump us every time again and again. And thank God he does because he is our righteousness. He was perfect so that we could be perfected in him. So there's a good reason to fix our eyes on him. Uh, the author... Um, 
and Minister Simon Ponsonby has just written a, a new book um, called Amazed by Jesus, and I've just started reading that. Um, and it's, it's an attempt to help us gaze in wonder again at the magnificence of who Christ is. And I think, you know, wouldn't that lead to change in us if we could somehow recapture, even in some tiny way, just how amazing Jesus is. And in the first chapter, Simon uh, lists uh, a list of reflections on, on why he thinks Jesus is amazing uh, in Scripture. And so, don't panic, I'm not going to read you. There's a hundred. I'm not going to read all of them, but I would like to read just a few of them to you. Maybe just sit under this and uh, let, let the Holy Spirit work in you as you listen to some of these statements about Jesus. Consider these things. He was endlessly worshipped and adored by myriad upon myriad of angels. He overflowed in restless love and created humans in his image to love. He gave us free will so that we might love him back in freedom. He did not turn away when we turned away, but kept advancing towards us, open-armed. He never gave up on us, never rejected us, never stopped loving us. He wed himself to human flesh in a virgin womb. He took upon himself our very nature so that he might give his nature to us. And the people who heard him were amazed and some afraid and some were angry. And he called people to leave all and follow him. And he said he was bringing the kingdom of God. And he showed us that he was king of the kingdom. And he showed us that his was a kind kingdom. And he showed us that his was a powerful kingdom where lives were transformed. And he gave us the keys to the kingdom. And he goes on to talk about, you know, Jesus in his life and in his suffering and death and in his resurrection and in his return, which we await and the things that amaze him about Jesus in that. And, and to finish, he says, meanwhile, he's still healing, still cleansing, still delivering, still inviting. And one day, the whole earth will be covered with his glory. And he is called Jesus, which means God saves us, and he does. And he is Emmanuel, which means God is here for us, and he is the Lord. He is God over us. Yes, he is amazing. And as we gaze on Jesus revealed to us in Scripture by the work of the Spirit, let's allow ourselves to be amazed by him again. So this verse also tells us to throw off anything that hinders us and um, one of the footnotes to, to that word hinders is to get rid of every arrow tip in us. The implication being that an arrow tip is on the inside and uh, it's on, in a wound that weighs us down and keeps us from running the race with freedom. 
I just want to ask you, have you got an arrow tip in your heart that you need to get rid of so that that wound can heal? We're exhorted to do that so that we can run the race marked out for us. The verses also say to throw off the sin that so easily entangles us. Or another translation says that so cleverly entangles us. It is not random, the entanglement of sin. It's strategic. We have an enemy, the devil, who is strategic to use the entanglement of sin, not only to cause maximum damage to the individual, but to cause maximum damage to the body. You see, he didn't succeed in killing Christ the man permanently because Jesus was raised from the dead. So he's now intent on dealing a fatal blow to the church, Jesus' bride, that he gave everything for. And this is nothing new. It's been the same since the book of Acts, the birth of the church, and it will be so until Revelation is, is kind of revealed and Jesus comes back again. We're in a mopping up stage. We're not in the main battle. Jesus has won that. But we will need endurance for this very, very short period of time that we're on the planet. Now, it may not feel like that to you. To some of us, it feels a lot shorter than it did do. And to some of you, it looks like life is going to be, you know, you can't even imagine what the end of your life will be like. But some of us are a little bit closer to that than others. Um, but it's so short in the light of spending eternity with Jesus. So we do need endurance. One of the things we really need to know is that we're surrounded by God. If we don't see ourselves as surrounded by this unbroken circle of God's love in Christ, if that doesn't become our primary identity, then we will be shaped by the negative things around us. And Jen Baker yesterday gave a great um, uh, picture of um, the things, you know, the negative things that have been said over us, like labels on us, and sometimes the positive things we put over the negative things. But she was saying, whether they're negative or positive, they're not going to, they're not going to be enough. We need our identity in Christ. That was a, a really good picture. So it's for good reason that Paul says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. If the thoughts that continually surround you don't look like this, they, they will destroy rather than nurture the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. So let's be careful, be careful, consider what we listen to, consider what we read, consider the thoughts that we harbor, because these things will shape us, and we want the love of God to shape us. We want to be encircled like a tiny dot in the middle of a circle that is, is God and his love for us in Christ Jesus. So we need to know we're surrounded by God. We also need to know without a shadow of doubt that he began the good work in us and he will be faithful to complete it. 
Jesus, it says, is the author and perfecter of our faith. I love this quote that Christy kept saying, it takes God to follow God. Um, we need to recognize that God gives us his spirit to empower us to follow him. We are not here to just follow something from a rule book. We are here with his life inside of us as we give our lives to him, as we yield to his spirit. His life will grow inside of us regardless of the challenges and the circumstances that we face. It's his promise and it's also his delight to do that. And uh, just, just to finish really, I think one of the best pictures in the gospel I've got of fixing your eyes on Jesus is Peter as he walked on the water of those stormy seas towards Jesus. And it starts with Peter responding to an invitation from Jesus to come. And he started so well, didn't he? Disregarding the unstable nature of his watery and wavy path. I'm sure he got a wow from the other disciples, you know, as he stepped off and his foot hit the water and the waves and he was still standing. I mean, I would have loved to have been there. The closest thing I've got to walking on water is paddleboarding and that's fun, but I know I'm never going to walk on water. But I just would love to have been there to see Jesus and Peter walking on the water. So... You know, he was taking these actual steps towards Jesus on the water, and then he looked away, didn't he? He looked away from the Jesus that he was responding to and that he was coming to. He was responding to an invitation from Jesus, and he looked away from that, and he looked down. I don't know if you've ever been up a, a tall building or been on a height, and um, you look down, it feels like you're falling, even though you're not falling. <clears throat> it reminds me of... Um, we went up the CN Tower many, many years ago. And when we were in the lift, just when we got to the top, um, there was a guy in there and he just couldn't get out. He was just pinned to the back wall of the lift because he didn't want to get out. There's a glass floor there and you could just look down. He was like, no, I can't even get out of the lift. <laughs> so sometimes, you know, we feel like that. We feel like we're going to fall. Peter looked down and the minute his gaze left Jesus, he began to sink. Sometimes we start so well, ready to take that path of faith. But we can forget that we're responding to an invitation from Jesus, and it's only going to be accomplished by trusting him. And Peter didn't drown, did he? Because he called to Jesus for help. And right there, right then, was the hand of Jesus to lift him up. Jesus cares more about you asking for help than you achieving some great height on your own. He cares more about where you finish the journey than what it takes to get you there. He wants us to end well in his arms. So if you're in a place where you need help from Jesus tonight, I want you to intentionally reach out and let him take your hand. Uh, we had a situation here last time um, on the encounter night, or actually it was the time before last, when Lynette was here 
and she was reaching out for the hem of Jesus' garment because she'd been in pain for so long. I think it was two years, been in such pain. And she reached out, touched the hem of Jesus' garment. And the next thing we knew, she was up on her feet, having had her leg (laughs) up, you know, because she couldn't walk. And she was suddenly pain-free, and she just couldn't believe it. So I'm encouraging you, if you need help tonight, to reach out and take hold of Jesus' hand because he is reaching out towards you. The problem for Peter when he looked away from Jesus was that the waves looked so big. He immediately saw the waves as bigger than the Jesus he was walking towards. Jesus wasn't really concerned about the number of steps Peter managed to take on the stormy seas, although I think I'd been counting if it was me. But he was interested in the depth of Peter's ability to trust him, to trust in his greatness and in his goodness. Because Jesus knew that Peter was going to need that. And he knows that we are going to need that. We, we're in training, you know. There are days ahead that, that may be difficult. And we need to know that we keep our gaze fixed on Jesus and trust him. It also says to run the race marked out for you, which, again, um, one of the ladies yesterday picked up on. Um, And the advice here is to stay in your lane and don't get distracted. Run the race marked out for you. And it will look different. It will look different to the person next to you. It will look different to your spouse or your sibling. Uh, It's an individual race that's marked out for you. But as you do that, as you run your race, you will find that you are beautifully set in the walls of God's house as a living stone alongside others running their race because Jesus is fitting us together. He's the divine architect, the divine builder. And Peter later encourages the church. He says in uh, 1 Peter 2, 4, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are being built together to host the presence of God, as well as individuals carrying his presence. There is something special that happens when we allow God to form us as a community that hosts his presence. And as Christy said to the ladies yesterday, when two or three gather in his name, we make ourselves irresistible to God, and he's drawn to us. Ephesians 2.19 says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household, built on the foundation of apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. And in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which he lives by his spirit. So I'd like to take that, um, us to take that with us into communion, that as we come to Jesus, we're going to take communion together. If you haven't got one of these, 
Um, you should have been handed one when you came in the door, but if you haven't got one of these, just pop your hand up and one of the um, welcome team will bring one over. We're going to take communion together. I want you to remember that in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit.